The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to On The List, the official podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Austin Bristow II, and I am your host, joined this evening by Andy Patton. Andy, how are you, man? How's it going, Austin? I'm pretty good. I'm doing great. Hey, glad to have you on, buddy. Thanks. Me too. Glad to be here. So for those of you not familiar with Andy's work, Andy does a lot of the uh, nastiest nastiest pitches, gifts that we have Mm. on the site along with some of our Going Deep pieces, and more recently, he's been doing some Deep League ads, finding some guys on the waiver wire that should be available in your leagues that if you're in a Deep League, maybe 15 teams or more, you might be interested in adding in your team. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Now, another part of our podcast we like to do here is we want to answer your questions. So, if you have questions for me and my guests to add, to answer, excuse me, for me and my guest to answer, you can send those to us at community at pitcherlist.com, community at pitcherlist.com, or you can send them directly to myself on Twitter. My handle is at Bristowski, that is at B-R-I-S-T-O-W-S-K-I. All right, so Andy, let's get on into it. All right. So first off, we're here to learn more about our writers, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I'm originally from Portland, Oregon, so I uh, grew up without a super close hometown team. Um, my dad is from Detroit, so I grew up a Tigers fan uh, in Mariner country, so I love both teams. I uh, kind of grew up loving both those teams. Um, and then I went to Gonzaga University for undergrad, uh, definitely a school not known for their baseball necessarily, um, but uh, got to know a lot of the baseball guys there. Um, obviously, was a big fan of the basketball team. Uh, and then I moved to Seattle, uh, and I currently live up in Seattle right now. So have have grown to love the Mariners, uh, particularly this year. They've been a been a lot of fun to watch, um, especially since my Tigers have been a little less fun to watch, uh, particularly lately. Uh, it's been a little rough, but that's that's what a rebuild does for you. So, uh, yeah, yeah. As a uh, as a Braves fan, I yeah. definitely know the uh, down years of a rebuild. Yeah, uh, yours is at least coming around. <laughs> man, they are looking fun this year. But yeah, there I are. You, that Mariners team, they're a lot of fun to watch. I, In my most recent Staff League review, 
in the introductory yeah. paragraph, I actually uh, came out and said that D. Gordon is my favorite player that is not a Brave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, between his look on the turn the clock forward night <laughs> and whatever that was, that gif that got <laughs> upvoted on Reddit, I, I, I'm sold. He is a character. I'm all yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, got some got some other, you know, gen real questions here, maybe some baseball sure. things. So, how many fantasy leagues do you play in, and uh, what's your favorite type of fantasy baseball league, such as, you know, well, points, roto, head-to-head, etc.? Yeah, um, I'm, you, I used to be a stickler for only wanting to do one league because I would think I would just confuse myself if I did two. Um, I've come around on that a little bit, um, especially – so I've always done an AL-only league. I think this is my eighth eighth year doing an AL-only league. Um, and so as somebody who wants to get into fantasy baseball writing, uh, I kind of decided I should probably start doing some NL leagues so I know who those guys are. Um, for those of you who ask me questions on Reddit, if you ask a question and it's an NL guy and it takes me a while to respond, that's probably why, because I got to go look up who they are. Um, but my AL only league is just with family and friends. I've been doing it, like I said, eight years. Um, we've changed the rules a little bit, uh, every once in a while. I think right now it's, it's Roto. It's always been Roto. Uh, but right now we're doing OBP, uh, quality starts instead of wins. I think we're going to try to add uh, a couple more stats next year as well. Um, whatever I can do to give myself an advantage so I can, you know, um, keep winning the league and keep holding it over my friends' heads. So, uh, and then my other league is a head-to-head. It's my first time doing head-to-head. It's a 12-teamer. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I think I didn't quite realize how much more dramatic the um, value of a pitcher is in those leagues. So my, my original draft was more hitter friendly and I've kind of had to scramble on the waiver wire to pick up some pitching, but, uh, it's, it's been a good year. It's been a lot of fun to kind of get into different, different styles. I I would love to do dynasty someday. I'd love to do keeper. I've, I've messed around with them a little bit, but, um, you know, I I haven't really done a full season with those yet. So I'm kind of hoping to, to get into that next. Man, I'll tell you those dynasty leagues, they are, they're a commitment to say the very least, but Mm -hmm. Another commitment that I have yet to get myself around to is those, you know, league specifics, your AL and NL only. Yeah. That honestly does not even sound fun to me. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. The first year that we did it, I wasn't really considering how tough it was going to be. We had 12, 12 team AL only, which should just, I, it should not happen. Um, I would not advise it. We also, I didn't change the, the roster settings. So the way it was set up was that you had five starting outfielders. Um, so if you think about that, that's five starting outfielders for 12 teams. That's 60 outfielders. The AL has 45 starting outfielders on a daily basis if every team plays. So it was a lot. A lot of people owned short side platoon guys. Uh, a lot of guys owned outfielders who were not in the major leagues yet. It was it was kind of a disaster. So we've we've shortened it. It's eight team now. So it's a little bit better. But it it yeah it, it's pretty rough. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I got to ask, how do you? Like get into fantasy baseball with an ale only league is your first stop. Yeah, um, it was rough. I, I mean, I'm I'm super passionate about it. Uh, my teams have always been AL teams, so for me, it was just a lot of fun. I think some of my friends who have gotten into the league probably would enjoy it more if it was mixed. I think they're um, they're kind of like well, I don't even know who half these guys are, and so I think it's it's taken some time to get some of them into it. I think the hardest part about this league is the the trade deadline. Um, I know a lot of leagues set it up so that you you know you get the rights to whoever gets whoever comes over if your guy gets traded and people have set it up different ways. We haven't messed with that that much. So the way it's set up is 
wherever you are on the waiver claim, you can just pick somebody. So I haven't, you know, I haven't claimed anybody because I'm trying to, if, you know, if Brad Hand gets traded over to the American League, I want to be first to claim him because that's, a, you know, a team-changing closer in an AL-only league. And But I also, you know, I own Shane Green and I own um, Michael Fulmer. And there's a decent chance, you know, if the Dodgers pick up Fulmer or, you know, whoever owns Manny Machado has got to be sweating right now because if he goes to the Diamondbacks, you just lose him. And that's that can kill an entire season. So I don't love that. But it's also kind of just a challenge that we've adapted to. So it's just part of our league now. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I was reading on Machado today, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, the eight teams, I, I, I saw eight teams in a report that were interested mm-hmm. in him. And the only American League team that was listed was the Cleveland Indians. And mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem like a very solid landing spot, especially since he said he wants to play shortstop. And they've got right. a shortstop in Frankie Lindor. So. Yeah, I would say if you're in an AL only league and you own Machado, that has got to be rough right you're now. You're sweating. Yeah. Oh. Definitely. All right. So, uh, you you mentioned your favorite teams are, you know, uh, the Tigers and a little bit of the Mariners as well. So, do you have a favorite player, like an all-time favorite player that you grew up watching or someone even right now? Yeah, I I've been thinking about this question for most of the day, to be honest. Um, I think the easy kind of knee-jerk reaction is Ichiro. Um, I grew up watching him. You know, he came into the league when I was, what, 11, I think. Um, I remember his rookie year really well. That was the first year I ever went to a game was uh, in the 2001 season. They won like 10 to 1. It was it was Cal Ripken Jr.'s, the first game of his last series at Safeco Field. So I remember that all the bases had a number 8 on it, uh, kind of in honor of him. So I, But I've loved Ichiro forever. Uh, I, I was happy but sad when he pitched for the Marlins a few years ago because I always wanted that to happen in Safeco. Uh, I would have loved to see him throw in 2002 when he probably could have hit 95. But um, he was just—he's just been a fun player to watch. And um, at Tigers, I mean, I love. We'll, we'll get into. Uh, there's a particular starting pitcher that we'll talk about later because I know that's a question that we have. Um, but there's, you know. Miguel Cabrera is a guy I've always liked watching. Uh, growing up when I was a little, little kid and I was rooting for those late 90s Tigers teams that were terrible, I loved Bobby Higginson um, because he was about the only good player on that team. Yep. So I had his jersey and, um, yeah, it was it was more of a, this guy's not all that good, but he's the best of a really bad situation in Detroit. So he kind of just became my favorite. Real nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ichiro's uh, kind of a – easy pick there i mean he's such he's such a stud like you gotta wonder if he had spent you know all of his career in the mlb mm-hmm. just what his career totals would be at this point it'd be ridiculous i mean it really would be <laughs> we're probably legitimately like without exaggeration probably either first or second hits all time I believe it. I really believe he'd have gotten to four thousand or really close to four thousand if he'd been here yeah. his entire career he's, he's amazing and Absolutely. You know, I, I kind of want to see him play again next year. And I think he said he wants to. Yeah. Oh man. I, you know what? We'll, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) I would fully support it. He said he wants to play until he's 50. I, I, the way that the guy's in good enough shape, I feel like he could, I don't know how good he'd be, but heck I'd give him a chance. Absolutely. (laughs) So what do you do outside of the, you know, baseball realm? What, what do you do for a living? Uh, what are some of your hobbies? Well, I um, I recently quit my job, actually. Uh, so I was I was working at Seattle University in their athletics department, uh, and I've decided to pursue sports writing full time. 
so picture list is not my only writing gig. Uh, otherwise that would be real challenging. Um, <laughs> but I do, I write here, uh, I write for fan sided through motor city Bengals, which is their Detroit Tigers site. Um, so I write a lot about the tigers. Uh, and then I also, uh, I write about football actually for, uh, the Seahawks wire, which is a uh, website through USA Today. Uh, and I've been doing that for about a year. Um, and it's, it's, this is the first season where I'll, really, I'll get press passes to go to games and interview players and coaches and stuff like that. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, between all of my writing gigs, I have a couple more. Uh, I'm still really glad that my fiance makes good money. Let's put it that way. Because uh, it's not, it doesn't exactly pay the bills. Um, but it was kind of a risk that I wanted to take. So uh, my free time is pretty much just spent writing. Um, that's, that's uh, and for a bunch of different sites, which is nice because I kind of, I don't get too burnt out because I'm writing about different things. Um, I love to disc golf. Uh, that's one of my big hobbies. Um, hiking, really traditional Pacific Northwest stuff, hiking, IPAs, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the big stuff. Man, well, as far as the uh, sports writing thing goes, I wish you the best, man. That is, you know, that's my dream. Um, I'm working towards it one step at a time, just trying to make things work. And we'll... Uh, I'd love to get there someday, and I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure you can pull it off. Well, thanks, man. You as well. So, as far as the uh, hobbies go, I'm a disc golfer myself. So, oh, nice. uh, yeah, we got plenty of courses here in uh, Central Illinois. I don't know if you've heard of the. Oh gosh, now I'm blanking on the name of it. The uh, <laughs> Ledgestone. Ledgestone. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. That, mm-hmm. uh, it actually takes place here in where I'm at in Peoria, Illinois. Oh, really? So I've been able to uh, go and watch at least a couple rounds of that each of the past few years, which has been a lot of fun. I bet. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it sounds like we uh, got some similar hobbies there, but yeah. I don't know. It sounds like you spent a lot more of your time on uh, writing, especially on the football end. I have I know nothing about football. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Baseball is definitely my passion, and I mean, even my you know, the, my editor at the Seahawks Wire, like she knows that baseball is my passion, and so it's taken me a lot of like articles that probably take football experts a lot less time than me. I have to really crank through them to like just kind of get the ins and outs. Um, I mean, I did play football a little bit growing up, and I do like I mean, I understand the game obviously, but there's just a lot of nuances that I understand in baseball, but that I'm still learning in football. So yeah, I I wish you luck there because like I said, that is. That is not my cup of tea. Baseball is pretty much the only sport I follow. So. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Let's get into some of your writing. Um, sure. You recently, about a week ago, I believe it was, you wrote a piece yeah. on Stephen Piscotty, one of our going deep pieces, and I loved it. Uh, after reading it, I actually picked up Piscotty in the Pitcherless Prodigy League, and he's been uh, in and out of my lineup, uh, depending on <laughs> matchups and things like that, because, you know, five outfielder league. But my outfielder's kind of stacked. i got Mike Trout in there and Michael Brantley, so that's been nice. But he's definitely a welcome addition to my team. So tell us a little bit, a little bit about uh, what you're writing and what you found out about Mr. Piscotti. Yeah, um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the process, but the Piscotti one was kind of interesting because I was really just trying to find, like, find a player who's been right on the edge of getting picked up in a lot of leagues. Like he'd been picked up – his, his – uh, uh, ownage rate had gone up a fair amount in the last couple of days. And I was like, I wonder like what's going on here. Like, cause I know we're going to get questions about him. We always do when there's a guy kind of right there, especially a guy who has pedigree, you know, he has a history of performing well. Um, so I kind of, I took a look and it's, it's, it's an interesting one because we can take a look at the numbers and pretty clearly see, okay, he had a strong April, strong March, strong April, 
really bad May, good June. Um, and that, I mean, and it, across the board in pretty much every metric, his walk rate plummeted in May, his strikeout rate went up, his hard hit rate, rate his hard hit rate went down. Like he just, he just had a really bad month and then he came out scorching hot in June. Uh, and at the end of the day, like, yeah, and I know you talked about this in your last pod with Michael, but you're always trying to kind of answer a question. Like what, like what's the answer to the question here? And with Piscotti, it's, uh, it's, it gets into the, what we call it, the social sciences of like, he had something really tragic happen in his life, um, that likely impacted his performance in May getting into like why that happened, all that stuff. It's, you know, you can't really dive too far into that because he was grieving and it, you can't prove that that's why he had a really bad month, but I'm willing to bet on that. You know, it sure, it sure looks like when everything goes, goes wrong for an entire month and then he starts to kind of rebound, like I think a lot of people probably looked at Piscotty on the waiver wire, saw his numbers and thought, okay, he, you know, he had one good month, but he was bad before that. So I'm not going to, it's not worth my time to pick him up. Cause what if he just kind of reverts back? And I look at that and think, well, why did this happen? Like, let's evaluate what actually happened and in this situation. It seems again, not, there's no way to definitively prove it, but it sure looks like he, you know, he may not have been all the way in it. And then now he's kind of come back. His launch jingle has gotten better. His hard hit rate has skyrocketed. He's taking more, drawing more walks, which is something that's always been a big part of his game. So, um, I, I'd certainly be willing to look at him in 12 teamers, 14 teamers for sure. Um, because I just, I think that you're, 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 you're not looking at one good month and one bad month as 50%. It's like this, his month of May was the aberration. And I think he's going to, you know, he's not going to hit 320 for the rest of the year, like he did in June. But I think you're looking at a guy who's going to be valuable in most formats going forward. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, and it's always so difficult to analyze players that are, you know, that do have things going on in their life. Right. Um, with Piscotti, you know, his mother passed away, and that was, a th- like, he, he had been traded to Oakland from St. Louis mm-hmm. to be closer to her. Um, so it was. Uh, pretty well covered by the media and everything like yeah. that. I I believe he even hit a home home run in his first at bat back. Yeah, it was something like that. I, I, I even remember he had a moment. So that was a it was a beautiful moment, and mm-hmm. you like to that trade. People are saying is you know one of the classiest trades ever made. Things like yeah. That. But at the end of the day, when you're just looking at his numbers, he's definitely coming around recently. Yeah, and he's in a lineup. That is sneaky good. Yes, true. I mean, he, Matt Olson, who's just, you know, leads the league in uh, uh, hard hit percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boy. I own him in all three of my leagues. There you go. That guy. Um, Chris Davis is in there. Matt Chapman's pretty mm-hmm. solid. There's plenty of people in the lineup, you know, to give him some protection. So I think that might be um, contributing to some of his walking um, people might think, well, he's hot. Uh, maybe we want to, you know, work around him because mm-hmm. we've already we've already got Chris Davis on base, things like that. So, right. I'm definitely interested to see where he goes from this point, and I'll be keeping mm-hmm. a close eye on uh, the you know the advanced statistics. But what I'm seeing here is, you know, his hard hit rate this year is up to 42.1 percent from last year in St. Louis when it was only 32.7. Wow. So that's huge. That mm-hmm. is, this is by far his highest hard hit rate he's ever had. He's never been above. His highest was his uh, rookie year 
We only played about half a season in his age 24 season, 2015. He had 38% then. So this 42% is definitely noteworthy. Absolutely. No, he's been, he's really uh, kind of turned the corner, especially like we said in the last month. I mean, he was sporting a hard hit rate near 50% in June for a while. I mean, he was just absolutely scorching the ball. Um, and I don't know exactly how sustainable it is. Um, I don't know if he finishes the year at 42%, but at this point, I mean, there's no, there's no reason to not, hold him and kind of see where he goes from here. Um, if he starts to fall off, he's replaceable. Um, but in that lineup, uh, with the guys who are hitting around him and the way that that team is playing, I, I don't quote me, but I feel like I read that they're 14 and two recently. They're, they've been on an absolute tear, uh, and they're sneaking up in that, in that uh, division. And I think as long as the team's hot and the guys around him with Davis and Olsen and Chapman are still hitting well, he's, He's going to give you numbers, um, and if he keeps his hard hit rate up, he's going to be one of those guys at the end of the year where you're like, why didn't I own him all along? <laughs> like You're going to look at his season, his numbers at the end of the year and be like, wow, that, he had a pretty good year. <laughs> so I'm going to see if I can find this real quick, but I, I had heard recently that the um, athletics offense mm-hmm. on the road was one of the best in the leagues, and at home they were trash, which yeah, kind of makes sense sounds- in that park in the Coliseum. Yeah. So let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, yeah. Let's see. On the road, Oakland ha- is, let's see, let's go by, let's see, let's go by Woba here for a moment. Yeah, wow. Okay, so <laughs> Oakland is second in Woba when on the road to with a 342 Woba. Wow. Houston is first, not surprisingly, with 347. So they're not even that far behind. Uh, That top five of Road Woba is Houston, Oakland, the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mariners. Okay. Let me pull up uh, home real quick, and we'll Mm -hmm. see how they fare on that side of things. And, yep. So they're 28th in Woba. When at home with a 294 mark, the only teams wow. worse are the are the Marlins at 29th <laughs> and the Mets at 30th. Wow! So all teams that's huge. All friends. teams in you know major hitting parks and right. the Marlins and Mets are just not good this year. They're just bad at hitting, right? <laughs> Correct. They're just bad at hitting. <laughs> so uh, that might be something you want to keep in mind uh, if you own Oakland hitters: is that they're been, they've been really, really good on the road um, and trash at home, and especially if you own pitchers that are pitching against Oakland. If you right. they're facing Oakland at home, that's a pretty good streaming situation. Uh, if they're on the road, yikes! You might want to might want to be careful, especially if you're in a hitter's park. Right. So yeah, there's something interesting there. So I know you talked a little bit about uh, your process a little bit, but you want to go into more detail about uh, how it is that you find something that you want to write about. You find you go from, uh, hey, I want to write an article today, to this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, if I like knew what my process was, I think I'd tell you more about it. Um, it's been a very ever-changing 
uh, process <laughs> for me, I guess. Um, I think I struggled at first with the going deep articles um, in the sense that I would I would lock in too much on I want to write about this player uh, and then try to kind of find an article out of that. And that's not the way to go about it. And I think a lot of times I'd be I'd pull some charts, you know, I'd look at their X stats, I'd pull a graph from fan graphs, I, I'd do all the stuff and I'd kind of realize, I don't know what I have here. Like, or I don't, there's not really a question that needs to be answered. Uh, and so I kind of, I, I started a lot of articles where I had to scrap them partway through because I was like, yeah, Kevin Pillar is hitting the ball hard, but he's, you know, there, there's not really much to actually go on in this article. So I just kind of need to scrap it. Uh, and so since then, I've really tried to kind of, and I know you talked about this a little bit in the last pod, um, I've tried to find ways to, to answer questions and to sort of find a question and then go out and answer it. And like you said, there, there may not be an answer necessarily, and that's okay. Um, you know, we're not necessarily setting out to, to answer questions. We're, we're setting out to propose something and then kind of see what, what we can kind of find out of that. So my most recent articles, I think I've tried more to find something that really like either a change a player made in their process um, or a distinct reason, like in Piscotti's case, like a distinct reason why something happened. And then I can kind of explain that a little bit. Um, so my most recent going deep post was actually on Colin McHugh. Uh, and the reason that I really liked that one was because there was a very distinct thing that changed. He completely abandoned his changeup this year and he's using his slider way more, and his slider completely changed. It used to look a little bit more like a 12-6 curveball, and now it's got a lot more horizontal movement. Uh, so, you know, I was able to throw some gifts up of that and talk about, you know, this guy's got a .9 something ERA on the year, and this is why. Um, ultimately, McHugh's fantasy value is limited because he's a middle reliever who doesn't get saves or holds. Uh, but there's still something interesting there. Like, look at this change this guy has made, and I mean. Any, any Houston pitcher who's all of a sudden got a nice slider, I'm sure if Trevor Bauer's reading articles, he's going to have something to say about that because I know they've gotten a lot of flack for that. But it was still definitely interesting. And I think for me, I'm trying to change my process to talk a little bit, to kind of answer questions and find out more of why this is happening as opposed to just throwing six different stats at you and saying this is what's going on. Um, so it's it's changed for me. Um, that's on the Going Deep articles. The Deep League ads uh, is real fun because I usually just go to ESPN or Yahoo and search the most productive players over the last week, look at their ownership, and then if they're under 15% and they've had a good week, let's go find out why. If there's a, a compelling enough reason, let's pop them in here. And then it's a lot of guys coming off the DL – guys uh, coming off suspensions, you know, kind of things like that. So th those ones are a little bit quicker in terms of process, but they're a lot of fun to kind of dig into like, is this guy actually going to help you? You know, is there, is there, is this guy going to actually jump up to being 70% owned in a couple weeks and you're going to be happy you snagged him or, or am I wrong? And sometimes that happens too, but uh, those ones are, are really fun to kind of dig into to why those guys are, are under owned and what, what might change with them. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, one of the more interesting questions I think that uh, I'm going to be asking everyone is that about their process, you know, mm -hmm. because I feel like everyone's, you know, we're all looking to, you know, find something interesting and we all right. want to write about interesting things. But the way about people get to that point is a bit different each time. Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting to hear about how um, how they get to that point, because I think right. just about everyone on the site is putting out, you know, quality content. Mm -hmm. content excuse me yeah um and i think it's it's just really interesting to see you know everyone's putting out 
in, in a sense, similar things. They're, it, they're right. from different angles and on focusing on different things. But it's interesting to see how we go from such a wide scope to narrowing down on what exactly we want to do. Right. So you you mentioned uh, your deep league ads piece mm-hmm. there. So I stumbled upon that actually through Reddit first. Oh, really? Uh, I think I missed the first one uh, on the site, but I saw mm-hmm. the second one on Reddit, and I think I opened it up before I realized it was picture list. Because oh. <laughs> I'm in a 20-team dynasty league. So right. any time that I see a deep league thing, I'm like, all right, let's see what's in here. Maybe mm-hmm. we can... The guy, Usually in my league, the guy's already owned, but I can yeah. at least, you know, okay, this is interesting. And I, it's a very trade heavy league, so I can, you know, maybe make a move for him. Mm-hmm. I open it up. I'm like, oh, oh, this is picture list. <laughs> oh, shoot. This is Andy. This is the guy who's coming on. That's funny. So this is what we're going to talk about. This is awesome. <laughs> so let's get on into that. You've, uh, you've got a little list here of guys you want to talk about that you've mentioned in your Deep League ads piece, which is coming out, what is it, every Tuesday? Tuesday morning. Tuesday yep. morning. So watch out for that, guys. Every Tuesday morning, you can find these Deep League ads. So if you're in a you know 15-teamer or more, these are guys you might be interested in picking up. Mm-hmm. So uh, go ahead. Your first guy you have here is Joe Jimenez. Yeah, obviously Tigers fan, so maybe slightly biased. Um, but I, I've been watching Shane Green all year, and I've been watching Joe Jimenez all year, and it, it's pretty apparent to anybody else who's been watching that Joe Jimenez is the better pitcher. Um, I, I think that, and now Shane Green's on the disabled list, so Jimenez is the closer at this, like right now. He hasn't looked great in his first couple outings as the closer, which is obviously not a great sign. Uh, I think a lot of people. Uh, are going to be concerned, like if he can mentally handle the ninth inning. Um, he he came up last year. He, so Jimenez absolutely dominated throughout the minor leagues. I think his if you were to go look at his minor league numbers, they're jaw dropping. His strikeout, I, he was over thirteen or fourteen Ks per nine at basically every stop in the minor leagues. He just he tore through, and then he came up to the majors last year and was absolutely awful. I think he had a twelve ERA in like nineteen innings. I mean, he just got crushed. So this year, they're kind of going in. It was like, all right, this you know he might be up and down this year. We'll see if he's even going to be somebody who sticks around uh and then he's just kind of ran with it i think two era is two seven something right now whips under 110 unless it just came up um and he's just i mean he's been the best pitcher on the tigers without a doubt and shane green has been okay he's had his moments but i think that either green will get traded um, which if the Tigers had their way, that's what they're going to do. Um, anything they can get prospect-wise for Shane Green at this point is ideal. They do have more team control over him, so there's a possibility they'll hold on to him, especially now that he's hurt. But I think even if he comes back, there's a chance they'll just let him in as role. They're not playing for anything at this point. So if you know that your 23-year-old Jimenez is going to be the closer of the future, you might as well let him take a crack at it now. If he doesn't do well... Um, you know, whatever, you lose a few more games than you would have lost, you're still going to lose 95 games this year anyway. So uh, just let him get a shot at it, and then hopefully he can run with it next year. But if I'm if I'm in a league and I need saves, I'm picking up Jimenez. I really do think that he could be a top 20 closer for the rest of the season. Um, and I, he's available in something like 85% of leagues right now, so I'd be giving him a shot. Absolutely. Yeah, I know in that dynasty league I mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. he's been owned since the draft a couple years ago, and I 
I tried to make a move for him last year, and the mm-hmm. owner was just not having it because he's been no. doubted for a while mm-hmm. as you know the closer of the future in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Because I'm I've got his page pulled up here, and you are right; those are some dr- jaw dropping numbers. Yeah. His age twenty one season in Double A, he had a forty two point five percent strikeout rate. Man, my goodness! Yeah. And he, I mean, it's not just a fastball. I mean, he throws hard, but I mean, this isn't a guy who's got a hundred mile an hour fastball that he's blowing by double A guys. I mean, he's got a hard nineties fastball, but he's got a devastating slider. He's got a nice changeup. Uh, he's got a, he's got a solid mix that, that he's now figured out how to use in the major leagues. And that's why he's having all this success. Absolutely. So yeah, I will, uh, if you're in a redraft and you're looking for saves, this might be your guy for the rest of the year. If you're in a, Deep Keeper League or even a Dynasty, this might be a guy you want to pick up for the long term. Absolutely. So your next guy here is Jorge Polanco, a guy I actually own in that Dynasty League. All right. So Good. <laughs> at the beginning of the year, I was pretty uh, I was pretty high on Polanco. He was yeah. a guy that I thought was a solid sleeper. He had, he had finished out 2017 on a good note. And then, of course, he, got, <laughs> he gets a suspension for PEDs. And I'm like, ugh. Man, I just I just wanted to see what he could do on the field. So, tell me a little bit about what you found out there. Yeah, uh, I same thing with me on Polanco. I drafted him in my AL only league, and that was a really devastating loss um, because I think, and I'm not making this up for those of you who are considering playing AL only. I had to replace Jorge Polanco with Dixon Machado, Ooh. who just got designated for assignment by the Tigers. Uh, I've since replaced Dixon Machado with Willie Adamas, so things got a little better. But that's how deep these leagues are. Um, but anyway, Polanco, um, he's probably the guy I've gotten the most questions about since I started these deep league ads. Um, he was really highly touted before the year. I know we talked a lot about him. I know he was he, he was a guy that a lot of people were targeting as a sleeper in drafts, obviously, including yourself. Um, and he hasn't gotten a lot of press since he came back, which is odd because it seemed like he's the kind of guy that you would want to keep kind of keep your eye on um and so now i think people are starting to realize oh he's back like we should take a look at him um i I mean he was 293 batting average with 10 home runs and seven steals in the second half last year um so it's hard to say if he can do that replicate that exact production in the second half this year but if he does i mean that's the guy that most of you have a middle infielder on your team who's probably not going to do that in the second half. So if Polanco's available, uh, he's a guy I'd want to look at. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Like play, they need to find a place to play him. It looks like they're going to play him at short right now. They moved. They moved Eduardo Escobar over to third. Um, when Sano comes back, they're going to have to kind of work work around that. Sano defensively, uh, he should probably be a DH anyway. Um, but they have Mauer. I mean, they got some. They have some positional things they're going to need to work out. But Polanco played shortstop all year last year, so there's no reason to expect he won't do that again. Um, so he's a guy. He's a guy that I'd be looking at. Middle infield's pretty sparse. Um, I, a lot of the questions I got were about him, him or Tim Anderson, him or Cattell Marte, him or Jose Peraza, and I think he's right in that conversation. Um, I I don't know that I would definitively take him over any of those guys. It depends on your league's needs, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes right around all of those guys for the rest of the year. Yeah, like I said, he was one that I was definitely high on uh, coming into the year, and I'm looking at the. Uh, Twins roster resource page here. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest concern with Polanco at the moment, mm-hmm. other than, you know, can he perform, right. is where is he going to play if and when Sano comes back? 
Right. Like you said, uh, Escobar, Eduardo Escobar, who's been on tear this year, has moved from shortstop to third base. Mm -hmm. Seems fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blanco's getting the lion's share at short now. Um, but what happens when Snow comes back? He was a third baseman, but like you said, he's he needs to he probably needs to be a DH. Well, right now their DH is Logan Morrison. Oh, that's right. So <laughs> Morrison, yeah. uh, let me see. Yeah, Morrison this year is batting one eighty nine <laughs> with nine home runs in two hundred and seventy nine plate appearances. So that's pretty yeah. solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what they're paying him. But I know he was a free agent ad, and I feel like when your, you know, primary DH is batting under the Mendoza line, yeah, it's not a great sign. Afford to, you know, diminish his playing time a bit. So maybe when, if and when Snow comes back, which he hasn't been, you know, destroying single A. He's been, I think he's batting above three hundred, but not with much power, which is he's been okay. Uh, if and when he comes back, I would imagine that is where he's going to get his at-bats, is mainly at DH, at the expense mm-hmm. of Logan Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if Polanco doesn't perform, maybe we see more of it. Eduardo Escobar back at short. Maybe Sano gets some reps at third. Who's to say? Uh, right. right now, the Twins, I've heard they're ready to sell. They were yeah. looking like they were going to be a team that might even compete with Cleveland this year. They were looking decent last year, and they've just fallen apart this year yeah. with Sano yeah. being poor. Byron Buxton has been either injured or awful. So yeah, they might even start selling off some pieces, which should give Polanco more at-bats because I, I believe he's under control for a while, so he's not a guy that, they, that I think they'll be looking to sell. No. So... I agree with you. I think Polanco is one of the better options that people could be looking at right now at middle infield or shortstop. Mm-hmm. We need some help there. Agreed. All right. Well, let's keep on moving. Uh, Avisel Garcia. Yeah, I put him on here sort of as a humble brag because I put him in my first deep league ads a couple weeks ago, and he has absolutely torn the cover off the ball since he returned from the disabled list. Um, very clearly, he, so his line since June 22nd, which is when he came off the DL, uh, is 364, 386, 818. Um, that is not a typo. He's got an 818 slugging percentage in the last couple of weeks. Wow. Um He's hit six home runs in that time. Um, obviously, this is not sustainable, clearly. Um, but there's there's really not a hotter hitter in baseball um, right now than Avisel Garcia. He's done this before. Um, he had the freakish season last year where he hit 300. He hit over 300 with a BA, BIP that was absurd. Um, I don't – it's going to come down. I don't know exactly how he's able to do that. He's got high hard hit rates. Um, he scorches the ball. Um, but right now, while he's hot, he needs to be owned. Um, and I'd be picking him up in virtually every league, um, even in 10-teamers. You know, when he cools down, you can drop him. You can find somebody else. But um, it's it's been a wild ride with Garcia. And, again, he, there is some pedigree here. I mean, he's done this before. Uh, it's not coming completely out of nowhere. He had an awful start to the season before he went on the DL. But uh, right now, he's, he's the guy to own in every format. Yeah. And I got to say – Two things here. Um, mm-hmm. One, did you just spell out BABIP there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that would I, – I, I've always done it like that, and I know that's not how most people say it, but 
That's fair. That's, that's what I do. You do you, mate. I've heard something. It's a spelling test for everybody. That's fair. B A B I. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've heard some people say BABIP, which is just wrong. Oh, that, see, at least I didn't do that. That sounds awful. Uh, the second thing I have there is ice. I have a bit of a grudge against uh, Avisayo Garcia here. Uh, last season, I spent the majority of it arguing with one of my buddies that mm-hmm. he's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BABIP is almost 400, and I don't. Mm-hmm. He's going to stop performing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he didn't. It never It never stopped. It, it was never weird. Stopped. And see, this year, uh, right now he's batting 289. He's got a 330 BABIP. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I could see that mm-hmm. being sustainable. Right. Because uh, he's got a 339 for his major league career, which, of course, you know, is a bit boosted by last year. But sure. 330 is not mm-hmm. out of line, especially when you look at his hard contact rate. He's yeah. he's hitting the cover off the ball right now. Yeah. 440, or sorry, 44.9%. So basically 45% hard contact wow. rate, which is by far his hardest that he's ever mm-hmm. had. Uh, it's in a bit of a small sample. He's only had 133 plate appearances so far this year, but like you said, he's got hit uh, six home runs. Six of his seven home runs this year have been since he's come off the DL in late June. Uh, he never takes a walk. He has a nope. 1.5% walk rate this year. Oh man! So if you're in an on-base percentage league, this pro- guy is probably not for you. Um, mm-hmm. Takes definitely a major value hit there, but I yep. agree with you. He's super hot. Get him on your mm-hmm. team while mm-hmm. you can. And when he cools off, feel free to drop him. Yep, definitely. Another guy that I was high on coming into the season, I thought he was maybe the best sleeper because really no one was talking about him, Randall mm-hmm. Richick. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe it was you. I remember there was a couple writers who had some pretty lofty projections for him preseason. Um, and our league. Me and one of my uh, – I think it was yeah. my uh, – uh, would have been the bold predictions. I think mm-hmm. I said um, Randall Gritchick figures it out and hits 40 home runs with a 270 That's average. What, yep. Uh, I thought he was going to be, you know, the Blue Jays' next reclamation project mm-hmm. in the same vein as Encarnacion or Jose Bautista. And uh, right. maybe I'm not wrong, but man, he's going to go on a have to go on a hot streak to get to 40. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, since June 1st, he's hit 270 on the dot. So you're, you're right on there. And he's got eight home runs in that time. So that's, I mean, that's not, that's somewhat on that pace. Um, sure. Obviously, he missed a lot of time with the injury. Um, he wasn't great before that um, at all. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty darn bad. I think the biggest thing with Grichuk right now uh, is that he's playing. I think a lot of people were really concerned, especially when he was hurt and Tiascar Hernandez came in and was crushing the ball, that Grichuk was going to be a fourth outfielder or kind of a platoon starter. And since June 1st, he's made 27 starts. So that's that's full-time duty uh, in that amount of time. He's take, you know, he takes a few days off here and there. But uh, he's, the, he's a starting outfielder. He's hit 270 with a 318 OBP. Again, he's not – not a huge walk guy, but he's okay. Um, his powers come back. I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's he's not as hot as Avisejo Garcia is right now, but he's a guy that I think long-term is, is more sustainable. I think there'll be a lot of points this year where Grichuk will be doing a lot better than Garcia, and then they'll kind of just flip-flop. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have Grichuk because I think he's just going to be a more consistent performer. And plus, he gets to play in Toronto, and that's always fun. So, Absolutely. Yeah, he's a... I'm looking at their roster resource page for Toronto now, and uh, he's he's batted anywhere from from leadoff to second, 
past couple games have been seventh. Um, <laughs> but last night, I guess he started in center field. Oh, that's I didn't see that. That's I unique. Must have missed that. Yeah, he's been playing exclusively right field, except for then Kevin Pillar had the night off, and they gave it to Grichik out in center. Interesting. So, yeah, I'd say they definitely trust him defensively if they're going to give him center mm-hmm. for a night, uh, even if it's you know just for a night while uh, Pillar gets a breather. But yeah, like I said, Grichik is a guy that I was high on. Uh, I was definitely mm-hmm. disappointed with his what he was doing before he got injured. Um, mm-hmm. But, hey, if he can come around, maybe – I don't think he'll make it back to 40 home runs and 270 for the year. But not. <laughs> but if he can look good in the second half, maybe I'll uh, count that as half a win for me. Well, maybe you're just a year off. Who knows? Who so. knows? <laughs> yeah, I think he, he might be a guy that uh, – in those keeper or dynasty formats, I think this might be a guy that you still want to take a look at. Yeah, definitely. Maybe uh, if he's – if you if it's a deeper format, maybe look to pick him up or even trade for him because I think uh, I think I might do that later this evening. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so another guy similar to Garcia that I have never been high on, Cole Calhoun. So yeah, change my mind. Well, so I've never been high on him either. So I don't think that I'm going to change your mind necessarily. Um, but. He had an oblique injury. That's so he he was okay for starters. He was the worst hitter in all of baseball until he got hurt. Um, like Chris Davis got all the attention, but Cole Calhoun was as bad. Uh, I think at some points his his uh, WRC plus I'll use uh, that again was three. Um, so he was. I mean, he was just awful. I think he was hitting one one forty five before he went on the disabled list, and he was playing pretty regularly and hitting one forty five. It was it was atrocious. But he had an oblique injury, and a lot of time those oblique injuries can really mess with your swing. Uh, and he came back, he, you know, he, and it was kind of one of those things where it felt like a disabled list stint, where it was more like you're not hitting at all, so we're just going to put you on the DL and say that there's an injury. I think there was definitely something there, but he was probably just trying to play through it, and obviously it was not working. Um, since he's been back, he's hit 306 with a 352 on base percentage and a 612 slugging percentage. Uh, it's not a huge sample. Um, he's not a 300 hitter, um, but it, you know he's back and he's he's hitting a lot better now. Um, the biggest thing with Calhoun at this point is that Mike Sosha is hitting him leadoff against right-handers or has started to. Sosha is a complete wild card with his lineups. I don't know how consistent that will be. Uh, their previous leadoff hitter was Zach Cozart. He's out for their year. Their other previous leadoff hitter was Ian Kinsler, who has been atrocious. So there's a decent chance that Calhoun runs away with this job. Um, since Sosha has always refused to let Andrelton Simmons hit leadoff for some reason, uh, and they won't hit Trout up there. So Calhoun could be your leadoff hitter against right-handers going forward, uh, which that in itself makes him valuable just because he'll score runs. I mean, he'll have Trout or Simmons or Upton or Pujols. He'll have all those guys hitting behind him. Uh, Calhoun's always been a high-walk guy. So if you're in an on-base percentage league, just the fact that he's hitting leadoff, and that's if it sticks, and I don't know that it will. I will never make a prediction with Mike Sosha in a lineup because it's never been consistent. Um, but and, and the other big thing that this just happened about 15 minutes before we got on the got on the call. So they Chris Young like hurt his hamstring and he's out for a while. He's their backup outfielder. He's their lefty masher. Right. Uh, called Jabari Blash to have that same role, but they just sent Jabari Blash down and recalled Jeffrey Marte, who's a third baseman slash first baseman. So right now the Angels' backup outfielders are Marte, who's 
almost never played the outfield and David Fletcher, who's a rookie who's almost never played the outfield. So they don't really have any backup outfielders. So that makes me think that Cole Calhoun, who had been sitting against lefties might just be a regular starter. Now he's in the lineup today against Marco Gonzalez. He's hitting ninth. Uh, that doesn't mean that you should be starting Cole Calhoun against lefties because he's atrocious against them, but it does mean he's going to get consistent playing time. Um, and it does mean that they obviously feel uh, more comfortable with him at this point than they did at, earlier in the season when he was getting benched pretty regularly and then obviously went on the disabled list. So I still don't love Cole Calhoun. Um, I've almost never had shares of him, um, never really wanted shares of him. But if you're in an OBP league, I would be scooping him up, a deeper OBP league. He's not he's not a 10-teamer guy, but 12-teamers maybe, 14-teamers definitely. Um, I mean, 352 on base percentage since he came off the DL, hit and lead off. It's worth a shot. Sure. And, uh, if you are uh, looking to pick him up, don't look at the season-long numbers because yes. they are yep. not sure. pretty. Like uh, Andy said there, he's looked good since he's come off the DL, and uh, it sounds like he's got an opportunity. So mm-hmm. maybe he'll uh, maybe he will do his best to change both of our minds on his <laughs> on his uh, value there. We'll see. We will see. Uh, our last guy you got here is Kendris Morales. Yeah. Who I kind of forgot was still playing baseball. He's also in Toronto, right? He is, and that's kind of why I put him on here. I think one thing that I've seen a lot in fantasy, um, just from answering questions over the last couple of years, uh, is people are definitely more willing to chase fringy prospects than they are like veterans who are coming off of injuries or veterans who are um, maybe had slow starts to the year and I think that's oftentimes a mistake Um, obviously high profile prospects yes they go grab them you know anybody who was unwilling to grab Juan Soto is regretting it like you want to go get those guys Um, but I saw questions uh, with what they call snaps shiny new player syndrome yes exactly um (laughs) And especially with – like, like so David Fletcher is a guy who's come up a lot for me. Um, and he hit like 340 in the minor leagues and he started out kind of hot for the Angels. But I'm like, he's, he's not – he doesn't have a lot of prospect pedigree. He doesn't have a consistent place to play. Like people were dropping solid veterans for David Fletcher. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's the move. And so a guy like Kendrys Morales, he – I mean his, his ownership rate plummeted because he had an awful start to the year. And I get it. He's old. You know, he's only playing that he's only a DH, so he's not really very useful in fantasy to begin with. Uh, although I think he, ju- he just got first base eligibility in my league, which I was kind of surprised by. I didn't realize he'd been playing any first, but um, but then since June 1st, uh, he's crushed the ball. Uh, he's got a 47.1% hard hit rate, he's only got 11.4% soft hit rate, so he's really been crushing the ball. Slash line is 286, 337, 516. Um, he's been he's been on a tear lately, and I think that. At the end of the season, you're going to see you're not going to see this kind of production that he's had over the last month. But you're also not going to see what he was the first part of the year. It's going to be somewhere in the middle. But I mean, he's a guy who's pretty consistently hit about 20 home runs. Uh, he's got decent walk numbers. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard right now. Um, if I'm deciding between him and some team's 19th ranked prospect that they called up, like I'm going to take Morales every time. And I think a lot of fantasy owners are are they're they're boring players. Um, you know, a lot of times they're called um, proven players coming off a bad year. Uh, those are guys you want to take a look at because, and in this case, it's proven players coming off a bad first month. Sure. So it's a little different, but there's a lot of guys like that that it's like, well, I mean, 
he's a little boring and you might just immediately want to assume he's done. It, this is it. He's not going to. And sometimes that's the case. But if for a guy like Morales, he had a bad month and now he had a good month. And at the end of the day, he's probably not quite as bad as he was to start the year. And he's probably not quite as good as he is right now. But he's still ownable in, in deeper formats. And if he's still on your waiver in a, or if he's still on your waiver wire in a 12 or 14 teamer, I'd be picking him up. It's not the sexiest move, but it's he's going to help. So now I'm going to push back against just a little bit here. Sure. Uh, figure I don't want to agree with you all the way for yeah, all fair. the players. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at their at Toronto and the mm-hmm. most recent um, lineups. Yeah, and since. July 1st, so the last mm-hmm. four days, Curtis mm-hmm. Granderson has played every single day batting leadoff. Now, mm-hmm. he's been DHing for the majority of that last night with uh, with uh, Pilar out and Grichik in center. Granderson played, played right field, but it was still leading off. Mm-hmm. Um, Kendris Morales has played si- since July 1st. He's played mm-hmm. two of those games. Once right. at first, once at DH. Uh, before July 1st, I can only, uh, just on roster resource here, I can only see back that, mm-hmm. the six days here. Uh, Morales had the two DH spots before then. Now, so I'm wondering um, how much playing time he's going to get, because it looks like he might be in a bit of a pl- platoon with um, Granderson here. What's interesting yeah. is he, I think he's the one that's going to be DHing against left-handed hitters all the time mm-hmm. um, because Granderson was out versus lefties, and since right. since the first, they've only faced right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, okay, yeah, um, and it's possible that Grichuk's return has kind of thrown a wrench in that as well um, because Morales was playing pretty consistently, but Grichuk coming back may have pushed Granderson to the DH role. Um, I mean that. Not may have he did. That's what is yeah, happening. That's what's happening. Um, so if 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 he's a a short side platoon, um, yeah, that's. I mean, I, I have him in my league, and I kind of noticed that he was getting a couple of days off, but I thought he was just getting a rest. I didn't check in on that. So that's something to be weary of. Um, obviously, Granderson is not a beacon of health necessarily. Um, yeah, so thirty seven years old now. So yeah, I would yeah I would agree there. But also that's that's a negative for Morales in the sense that if Granderson's hitting better than Morales, you really want Granderson in your lineup every day. And if you don't want him out in the outfield, you know, that's the only spot you're going to put him. Um, I know that Morales has been playing some first, um, and that would be at the expense of Smoke, I would assume. Um, right. And Smoke has not been very good, but again, I, I could see them rather riding with Smoke as opposed to Morales, especially because I – I, I haven't looked, and I could look, but I'm just guessing that Kendrys Morales' defense at first base is pretty bad. Um, I don't know that I need to look that up to prove that. I, I'll uh, agree with you on that one. And it's certainly going to be worse than Smokes, who's actually a good defensive first baseman. So, right. yeah, that is a concern with Morales. Um, wh- whether his playing time sticks, Gritchuk's return probably threw a wrench in that um, with their stacked outfield. So, so yeah. I figured I'd look up his splits here, Morales being a switch hitter. Yeah. Um, and I was wrong. Um, <laughs> this year, anyway, against mm-hmm. left-handed pitching, he's hitting 222 with okay. one home run. Mm-hmm. Um, and against right-handers, he's hitting 246, so a bit better with mm-hmm. eight home runs. So okay. he's got, so far this year, he's got no power against uh, lefties. lefties. Let me see if that was a thing 
2017, just to kind of give us some scope there. I mean, well, even in 2017, mm-hmm. it he batted 362 against left-handers and 216 oh. against right-handers. So he's just all backwards. <laughs> Morales is very confused right now, as am I. Yeah, well, that I mean, Granderson can't hit left-handers, so it makes sense for the Blue Jays to have him hit against to have Morales hit against left-handers, even if he's not doing it this year. So I'm thinking that's going to stick. But, yeah, there's a chance he'll lose some at-bats against righties, which is a bummer because that's where Morales gets his power, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, huh. That's, that's an interesting one. So, yeah, um, I, I'm i going to stick with it. I'm going to disagree and say that Morales probably isn't worth a look unless you're in the deepest of leagues. But, hey, you're the guy who writes the article. <laughs> Fair enough. I will say that. I was looking up when I was coming up with the names on this list. I was trying to look up guys who have performed well since I wrote the article. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out that there have been some some misses. Um, the most notable one that I saw was Kevin Kiermeyer, who I still have some faith in. Um, I don't have numbers in front of me right now. But since I wrote the article about Kevin Kiermeyer, it was right after he came off the DL, he has hit 132. Uh, so that is not ideal. Um, I still think he's a better he's obviously a better hitter than 132, but uh, he's been real slow coming off the DL. So um, maybe keep an eye on him, but maybe don't rush to pick him up right now. So that's sorry brutal. about that one. That's brutal, but he. I think that's still a good call on yeah. one to pick him up because he could offer you steals, which is something that is so rare in today's yeah, game. Absolutely. So if he if you need steals, I would I would still take a chance on Kiermaier. No, me too, but it's it's been brutal if you picked him up when I told you to. So hang in. <laughs> so that's all right. We are not uh we are not fortune tellers. We nope. just do our best. <laughs> all right, well, like I said before, a, another portion of the podcast we like to do here is we want to answer your questions. We want you to send us your questions and myself and my guest each week will answer them on the air. So if you have questions you'd like for us to answer, you can email them to community at pitcherless.com or you can tweet them directly to myself at Bristowski. So we'd be happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on a player you've been wondering about, or just uh, give, a, your, give our opinions on any number of things. So we've got a few trades to grade here, and since we've been on in the past, you know, 50 minutes or so, I've actually received a couple more from the Slack channel. So I'm, we're going to do those impromptu ones first, so you have yep. absolutely no preparation. Sweet. So <laughs> let's see. I don't remember who this one was from because I failed to grab that, <laughs> but it was impromptu, so oh well. So. <laughs> Uh, our scale here, if you think it's perfectly even, we're going to give it a C. If you mm-hmm. think uh, they did great, an A. If they did awful, that's an F. Anywhere in between. Okay. All right? So, this one here that I was sent around 6.38 p.m. when we started <laughs> around, you know, mm-hmm. 6 o'clock. Yeah. It, it, this guy gave Harper, okay. Grinky, and Tyson Ooh. Ross... Okay. And he received Max Scherzer, Nick Castellanos, and Will Myers. Ooh. That's a big one. And it is a 10-team head-to-head categories league. Uh, looks like we got... Okay, so it's not quite the standard. You got your runs, homers, RBI, stolen bases, but then it's also on base and slugging instead of average. Okay. 
And then on the pitching side, it's innings pitched, strikeouts, ERA, whip, quality starts, and K, oh, uh, K over walk. Oh, okay. So those are some interesting stats there to keep in mind as well. So one more time, it's Harper, Grinky, and R- Tyson Ross in exchange for Max Scherzer, Nick Castellanos, and Will Myers. Man. Um, sounds like in that format, I would I would venture that Scherzer is probably the best player in the deal. Um, it's close with him and Harper, obviously. Um, Especially since it's OBP, yeah. Yeah, since it's OBP, but it's also K's over walks is probably a category that Scherzer is real good at. Yeah. Um, so, man... That's a tough one. Um, I, I, I like Cassianos a lot. Um, so obviously Tigers fan there. So I'm going to throw my bias in there. Um, I think, but, but losing Granky too, uh, man, if I'm struggling this much, I guess I'd say, give it a C, which is a bit of a cop out. Sure. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm looking at it and you can break it down. Scherzer for Harper. You probably mm-hmm. I would generally prefer Scherzer in that one. Yeah, it's um, close. I would say Grinky for Will Myers. I would prefer Grinky pretty handily. Yeah, definitely. And Ty- Tyson Ross for Castellanos. I would. That's pretty even. I guess I vaguely prefer Castellanos. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a C plus. All right. <laughs> I think it's a mild win there for you. So sorry I didn't remember who sent this, but tried to jam it in right at the end there um and we're gonna keep on keeping on our next sure. one also an impromptu one mm-hmm. is a 10 team head-to-head points league okay and we gave ian Hap and ross stripling and received zach grinky this one is from matt nielsen another of our uh supporters on the yeah. pitcher list slack channel um, you said 10-team head-to-head? 10-team head-to-head points, Hap and Stripling, in exchange for Grinky. Yeah, I, I'd give that a B. I, I like Grinky. Um, I, I mean, I, Stripling's been great. Um, I think I'd have to look dig a little bit more into his numbers um, to see how sustainable it is. Uh, I think Hap's replaceable in that format. Um, so I think it becomes a little bit more so of Stripling versus Grinky. Unless, for some reason, Hap's not replaceable, but in a 10-teamer, he should be. Um, so I would give it a B because I'd rather have Grinky. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, mm-hmm. Hap is probably borderline droppable in a 10-teamer. I'm going to go B+. Plus yeah. yeah, for that. I know. Then we got uh, one more impromptu one from Nate Von Banken. Uh, let's see. He just traded in a 12-team head-to-head points league. He traded Zach Godley and Michael Fulmer for Shane Bieber. That's interesting. Whoa. Yeah. In a, I'm sorry, was it a 10-team or a 12-teamer? 12, 12-team head-to-head points. Godley and Fulmer for Bieber. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of that one. Um, that's probably D, borderline D-. minus, And I like Shane Bieber. Um, but I I obviously, again, Tigers fan, trying not to be too biased. Um, sure. Fulmer, me and Nick will die on that hill together about Michael Fulmer. <laughs> His inability to get out of the sixth inning has been frustrating. I own him. He's one of the few guys I own in both my leagues. Um, 
But I think, I mean, you, you look at the stuff that he has, uh, the success that he's had. I, I think that you're going to look at a better second half than you've seen in the first half. Um, same with Zach Godley. I don't know him quite as well because I haven't owned him. But I, Bieber is a little too volatile. Um, you know, he, he's a rookie. He's got a, he's got a consistent rotation spot right now, but that could change. Um, yeah, I, I'd go D minus there, and I, I'd rather have the former and Godley side. I... I'm going to agree. That's a D minus for me. The issue mm-hmm. for me is I, I, I famously don't like Fulmer among the pitcher list staff. Yeah. I, I was lowest on him in the pitcher list rankings going into the year. And Nick and I go back and forth arguing about him. Um, I, I don't like Fulmer, but I, I don't think Bieber has any higher of a ceiling than Fulmer does. Nor mm-hmm. is his ceiling higher than Godley. And yeah. I, I think, I think all three of them are a, pretty similar grade of pitcher similar uh-huh. ceilings and floors and if you're giving two of them for one of them that's not a good deal in my mind so nope. I'm a, yeah I'm gonna have to give that a D minus sorry Nate alright we're gonna keep going we got okay. three more let's try and do these just a little quicker alright yep. we got Matt Nielsen is asking us about a trade in a 10 team head to head points league this one you can have four keepers for three years maximum so a bit of a keeper one here uh, let's see. He's this one is giving Stephen Matz and Michael Kopech in exchange for Nick Pavetta. And he says yeah, Kopech is a 14th round keep, mm-hmm. while Matz and Pavetta are both 21st round. Yeah, this one. I know we're trying to go fast. Um, I would rather have the Pavetta side. Um, I think I'm. I, I get that Kopech in the 21st round sounds appealing, but his control issues have been pretty well documented. I just, I really, I think he screams lights out reliever. And I know this always happens to the White Sox <laughs> with a lot of their guys, but I just, I'm, I'm not ready to buy into him 100% as being the guy that a lot of people want him to be. Um, and with the only four keepers, I'm, I'm not sure any of those guys are keepable. Um, even in those rounds, I'd have to see the rest of the team, which makes it a little hard to judge. But I'd rather have Pavetta. Got to grade it, man. Give me a grade here. Um, C minus. There you go. Um, I'm going to give it a D plus. Okay. Um, I agree. I'm a 10-teamer, four keepers only. I'm not sure any of those guys are keepable. But yeah. I think um, in 10-teamers especially, I'm really looking more for upside than anything. Yeah, and I think Pavetta's got by far the highest yeah. ceiling over the next three years. So mm-hmm. I definitely want Pavetta D minus or D plus. Sorry, there. Mm-hmm. And then we got one more here. Yes, this, this actually is one that went down in the Pitcherless Prodigy League last week. We talked about three trades that Miles Nelson made. This week we're talking about one more that he made. Miles Nelson's really been. <laughs> like single-handedly stoking the hot stove in the Prodigy <laughs> League. So this week, he traded away Ozzy Albies. And by the way, this is a uh, this is a 12-team head-to-head categories league, standard categories. So he traded away Ozzy Albies, or Albies, excuse me, and Carlos Martinez in exchange for Tommy Pham and Zach Grinke. Not a keeper, correct? Not a keeper. This is a redraft league. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, Miles is in second place, one game back of yours truly. <laughs> so he's looking to make the push into the playoffs. Uh, the top two teams in this league 
will move up into the Pitcher List Legacy League. So I am really vying for that one, as is Miles. So once again, 12-team head-to-head categories. We got Ozzy Albies and Carlos Martinez for Tommy Pham and Zach Greinke. I think I'm going to give it a C minus. Um, I think it's pretty fair. Um, and it depends on, the, I'd have to see the rest of his team, especially what he's got at second base. Um, Cause he's definitely, you know, he's getting back a, a solid outfielder. I like fam, but um, fam is, you can find good production from outfielders and a 12 teamer. It's harder to find that from second baseman. And so you're giving up a more, a position that's got more positional scarcity, but I think Granky's probably the better, the best player. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to C we're going to say perfectly even. I'm going to be real boring. Just go straight. C. am going to give it a D. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Fam's mm-hmm. vision issues scare me a lot. Yeah. Uh, he's been horrid for the past month. I'm not sure. I don't just prefer always to him straight up. And I mm-hmm. definitely prefer Grinky to Martinez. So yeah. I, if, if we consider Albies and Fam equal, I like Grinky a lot more than Martinez. Mm-hmm. I don't like this deal for Miles. I'm going to give it a D. All right. And that'll do it for Grade the Trade this week. But we do have a few other questions uh, that are just kind of some fun ones. Uh, this first one, I, I love this question. It's from Alex Tran. Um, I got it this morning and I was like, oh my gosh, we're absolutely doing this. But I have to remind, this is mostly to remind myself here. Uh, we're going to stay away from the cursing specifically because this is a family show. Yes, of course. Family here. Family values, a picture list. Question is, what is the baseball moment that made you angriest? Well, I'll tell you right now that I, by not swearing, I'm not telling the story with 100% accuracy. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I remember this moment very distinctly. Um, It was game one of the 2012 ALCS Tigers versus Yankees. Um, The Tigers went on to win uh, not only the game, but the series. So it was, it ended up okay. But I was in my, uh, my senior year of college, I was in my apartment and the Tigers had gotten themselves out to a four, nothing lead bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, they brought in Jose Valverde, who is still a swear word in Detroit because of this game. <laughs> he put he put a runner on, and then he gave up a two-run home run to Ichiro, um, which is conflicting because I love Ichiro, but not at that particular moment. Um, and then he put on another runner, and, uh, and Raul Ibanez came up. And this was the year, if people remember, well, Raul Ibanez, he was a platoon player for the Yankees, and he absolutely raked the entire year. He had like 19 home runs in a half season. Uh, he was just loving the short porch at Yankee Stadium. And so, so uh, another note, most of my friends are Mariners fans. So they don't have a stake in this game, except that Ichiro and Raul Ibanez are both former Mariners who are on the Yankees. So I don't remember who gets on, but Ibanez comes up, and it's just – I just know what's going to happen. Like, everybody's feeling it. Valverde has been awful. Ibanez has been hot. My Mariners friends are texting me like, dude, this is crazy. Uh, so he first pitch, yard, um, and I, I almost put a hole in my apartment. I could not believe <laughs> that Jose Valverde in a matter of seconds gave up two two-run home runs. Um, fortunately – uh, Drew Smiley, who was a rookie that year, came in and pitched two scoreless innings in relief, and the Tigers won and swept the series. So it turned out okay, but that particular moment, I'll never forget how much I could hate a relief pitcher that I've never met in my life. That's amazing. <laughs> um, when, when this question came across for me, I 
immediately thought of my answer. Um, <laughs> for me, as a Braves fan, it has to be the 2012 National League wildcard game, which is known in infamy in Braves country as the <laughs> infield fly game. Ah, uh, I recall. <laughs> uh, I, for those of you who don't know the story, uh, this is the 2012 wildcard uh, it was the second year that the wild card was a thing, wild card game anyway, and um, it was the Atlanta Braves versus the St. Louis Cardinals in Atlanta, um, and the Braves were down six to three in the bottom of the eighth, um, and Andrelton Simmons. Still one of my favorite players. Love that guy. Uh, hits a fly ball to left field that Pete Cosma, the Cardinal shortstop at the time, dropped. However, Sam Holbrook, the <laughs> left field outfielder, or left field uh, umpire, excuse me, called an infield fly. There, were, there was men on first and second. So infield fly is called. Andleton is out. And, and that is now two outs with men on first and second. Had he had the infield fly not been called, and it ought not to have been, it was not in the infield, first <laughs> off. Uh, that would have been bases loaded, one out, mm-hmm. and could have been a completely different story. What made it even worse is that Atlanta fans looked horrible in that moment when they started throwing trash on the field mm-hmm. and delayed the game for over 15 minutes, if I remember right. So I'm sitting at home watching this. The info fly is called. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that is not an infield fly. And then the Atlanta fans, who seem to all agree with me, start <laughs> making fools of themselves. So the two things on top of each other just made me physically ill the Braves went on to lose that game by the same score 6-3 to three, and I ugh I, like thinking about that this morning when it came across uh, <laughs> my phone made my chest hurt mm-hmm. uh, this is this is going to be one of those things that I'm telling like my grandkids about in yeah. 60 years and they'll be like grandpa no one knows what you're talking about you idiot <laughs> I'd love to point out that our two memories uh, are probably within about two or three days of each other, uh, which is super odd because that was the game one of the championships here. Or no, no, I guess it was the game one of the ALCS. So it was maybe like a week and a half apart, but still yeah. pretty close. Yeah. 2012 playoffs, man. It's a weird yeah, it was year. a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to skip around a little bit to mm-hmm. this one that I'm also very excited to read. Uh, this is from Dan McNamara, mm-hmm. who wants to know, who is your favorite pitcher currently in the major leagues and why? Uh, Justin Verlander. Um, sentimental reasons for starters. Uh, obviously, Tigers fan. Um, just I just love the way that he approaches pitching. Um, I was in the uh, the Slack channel when this conversation was being discussed earlier today, um, and a lot of I don't remember who it was specifically, but I know Max Scherzer came up a couple times for his intensity on the mound. Um, and Verlander, I think a lot of the same things. I love the fact that, especially in his Cy Young season, uh, 2011, which was uh, well, excuse me, his MVP and Cy Young season. Um, 
he was uh, he was absolutely lights out the entire year. But what I love about him is that his velocity frequently increases as the game goes on. He's just he's an absolute warrior. Um, obviously, statistically, he's having an incredible season this year uh, at what thirty five. I think um, he's just a, he's a he's a good dude. Um, I, I love he's. I mean, he's even a warrior on social media. He's going after people with performance enhancing drugs. Like he he really. Uh, he's just been fun to watch. Um, there's really, I mean, it, it, if the Astros are playing, that's one of the few times that I'll watch them. Um, is if Verlander's on the bump, obviously I tried to never miss him when he pitched for the uh, Tigers as well. Um, I'll I'll quickly interject that Felix has been one of my favorite pitchers for a long time as well. Um, it's been sad to see the decline of Felix. He's been a little better the last couple starts, but that's another sentimental one. Um, most of my friends, Felix is their favorite player. Um, going up to Mariners games when I lived in Oregon, we always tried to time it to see Felix pitch. Um, two guys who had really similar career paths that have not could not have gone differently in the last couple of years, uh, which is a bit of a bummer um, for Mariners fans. But that's how it goes. Yeah, those are two uh, two great ones, and yeah, I imagine they'll mm-hmm. each be on the Hall of Fame ballot. Yes, I, Verlander, <laughs> he's he's almost guaranteed to get in. Yeah, Felix, I, he might. He'll definitely be on the ballot. I don't know that he'll get in, but he might. We'll see. He's got to. He's got to have another good year or two, I think. And it, it doesn't. Right. Well, I'm not sure if he's going to get there. We'll see. We will see. Um, Dan, I, I know you asked this one because you wanted me to talk about one specific pitcher here. Uh, boy, I love Max Scherzer. <laughs> I I'm a Braves fan. I hate the Nats. I don't like Bryce Harper at all. And I tr- like I actively root against the Nats, except for Scherzer Day. Oh, mm-hmm. I I own Max Scherzer in the Pitcherless Prodigy League, and every single time that it is uh, Scherzer's turn to pitch, that day uh, either I will post on the community channel, um, or Dan will remind me to post <laughs> on the community channel that it is either all caps, bold font, Scherzer Day or Scherzer Time. <laughs> I just, I'm really enjoying, you know, owning him this year, especially because he's on pace for over 300 strikeouts this year. Wild. Trying to challenge uh, Pedro Martinez for the all-time strikeout percentage record. Um, and I'd, he's such a class act, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember when Hurricane Harvey hit he I, he started a foundation to bring um, animals that were not able to stay in the um, in the like the pounds mm-hmm. because you know they were flooded or destroyed. He paid for them to come to Detroit and start a foundation to find them homes so or not Detroit sorry but uh, uh, Washington DC yeah <laughs> so he's He's uh, honestly one of my favorites, even though he pitches for one of my least favorite teams. <laughs> um, and I got to bring up um, another one that I have for sentimental reasons, and that's Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. I love Craig Kimbrell. He is still one of my favorite players in the league to this day. Um, I was I was in high school when they traded him away. The Braves did. I, I, I might have cried. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> That was that was a rough day for me, because if I remember right, they traded him the day before opening day. Yep, that's right. And 
man, I have always loved watching him pitch. He's so intimidating yeah. on the mound when he bends bends down, holds that arm out to the side, and then comes at you with 98-mile-an-hour gas. Mm-hmm. Ugh. He's one of the best closers in baseball, and he's he's broken records for the Braves and just in major leagues as far as strikeout rate goes, as far as quickest to however many saves. I think if he keeps up this career path, he's going to go down as one of the best closers ever. I'll absolutely agree. Love Craig Kimbrell. Not a huge fan of the uh, bright orange beard, but hey, man, <laughs> you do you. <laughs> All right, we got one more question here to round us out. Um, my buddy Josh Patello wants to know, uh, you know, as we all know, there's no crying in baseball. That being said, when is a time you have cried over baseball? Or if you haven't, when was the closest you've been? I'm guessing we're not talking about when I got hit with a line drive when I was eight, so we'll <laughs> skip past that. Um, I think... Uh, probably the closest and there could have been tears. Um, I don't, re- I don't recall exactly, um, was the Magli Ordonez walk-off home run in 2006, uh, for the ALCS to send the Tigers to the world series. Um, I was actually at a friend's house who wasn't a huge baseball fan. Um, and I remember being pretty distraught that I wasn't watching with my dad. Um, I don't know why. I think it was just like I was over there, and then we're like, "Oh yeah, that was right. The game's on," and they were gonna sweep, like, or they were they're already up three zero, so it's kind of a formality that they were gonna win. Um, but it was, I remember, it was the ninth inning, and Polanco got on base, uh, Placido Polanco, uh, and Ordonez came up, and obviously he'd just been money for the entire season and series, and I just knew I was like, he's gonna hit a home run, and the first pitch he took the biggest swing I've ever seen and swung right through it. And I was like, well, maybe he's not going to hit a home run. And then for some reason, it was um, – um, I can't remember who the closer was. Um, it was Houston Street. It was Houston Street uh, through the exact same pitch again. Um, and, you know, he didn't miss that one. Um, and I just remember as soon as he made contact, I stood up. I, like, I was so excited. I hugged my buddy, and then I just ran home because he didn't live that far away. I was like, i got to go talk to my dad. Uh, and I'll be – like I said, my dad's a huge Tigers fan. This is the first time they were going to the World Series in – 22 years since 1984 so that was a pretty pretty exciting moment um and and for the tigers i mean three years before that in 2003 they'd been the worst team in almost history uh in american league history they lost 119 games and three years later to be in the world series is pretty pretty wild um and then it, I, I won't go into too much detail but about a week later was the second time i almost cried because the cardinals absolutely smashed them and so then it was like oh now the season's over so <laughs> That was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a couple times for me to answer the question. Uh, there was a couple times when, you know, in those 2010s, the early 2010s, when the Braves made the playoffs, but not much came of it, <laughs> uh, whether it be by infield fly or otherwise. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I ever really cried at the end of the season there, but I know I did cry on one occasion. And that was when um, David Ross signed with the Boston Red Sox. Oh. Uh, He was a free agent. He has spent years with the Braves. I know everyone now remembers him as a Cub, but he spent years with the Braves. (laughs) Um, And I loved David Ross. Such a class act. I, I still think he's one of the best backup catchers in 
a long time, which yeah. is a strange thing to be, I know, but he's got that calming presence. He's that leader. And whenever he is playing, he always plays well. Uh, and I, I knew it wasn't guaranteed that he was going to re-sign with the Braves. Um, but when he signed with the Red Sox, I think I was in high school still. And I, I do specifically remember tears coming out of my eyes. <laughs> so there you go. It's not always no crying in baseball. <laughs> well, I think that just about wraps us up, man. So, uh, you got any closing thoughts or you have a Twitter handle people can, fo- people can follow you at? I do. Uh, Twitter handle is at tiger bulldog 13. Um, right. so people can follow me there. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks. Thanks for having me on Austin. Obviously it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think it's great to get to know everybody. I know Michael was saying that he'd only really talked to you and Nick and that's kind of the same for me. So it's great that our listeners can get a chance to know us, but it's also great for us to get to know each other. Uh, so I think that's, it's kind of a cool thing that we get to do. So, and you know, I, <laughs> I'm starting to see, you know, there's only a second one here, but the pattern mm-hmm. I think is going to be, I think we're going to get a lot of questions of like favorite this moment, favorite that moment yeah. in baseball. And I'm really excited. Yeah. Those are fun. <laughs> hear everyone's because those are, those are the best moments that you remember. And so we're going right. to hear a lot of that. And I'm very excited to be a part of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap us up. Uh, for myself, Austin Bristow, and Andy Patton, this has been On The List. Thank you for listening. <laughs>